It's quite, it's quite an introduction. Um, thank you. Um, I want to start by just praying, really, that the Holy Spirit comes and speaks. Um, I'm hoping that you've all got a piece of card and a pen. Um, we're going to need those right at the end, so just hang on to those. Um, there's going to be an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, um, and you'll be able to write or draw um, whatever you feel the Holy Spirit says to you um, at the end. So just bear in mind, you are going to be hearing from God today. Um, Lord God, I pray that you would come and speak to us. Lord, that's what we're here for. We want to meet with the King of Kings today. Lord, I pray that you would come and inspire my words and inspire our ears and our hearts to hear what you have to say today. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been a member here for about 20 years. Um, I run a small building firm. Um, I've been married to Kath for 16 years as of Friday. Um, and we've got five good kids, so that's, that's a little bit of me. Um, as we've said, we're doing a summer series on the Lord's Prayer. So this is part three of that series, and it is, um, it's on your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, it is really important that we look at it as part three of a series. We're not saying uh, your kingdom come, your will be done, unknown and distant God. Do whatever you want for me. We are saying our Father who we know, come and have your way in our lives. So it's really important, if you, if you get a chance, to listen back to Claire's and, da, uh, and uh, Chris's preaches from the last two weeks, because they'll help you give a bit more context. But I'm just going to give you a couple of my highlights from that, just to set the scene. So Chris started by telling us that prayer should be a joy and not a duty. I suspect that that's often not the case for many of us. So hopefully today we're going to try and bring some joy into your prayer life. He said that we often look at people and we think, well, that's okay for that person because they are just a natural prayer. I'm not. I've got other things that I do, but but they're a prayer. I want to kind of unpick a bit of that myth today. The Lord's Prayer actually is Jesus unpicking that for us in the first place. He took a a group of uh, illiterate, uneducated fishermen who watched him pray and thought, man, when he prays, (laughs) wow (laughs) and so he gave them the Lord's Prayer and he said do this uneducated illiterate people and it equips them to change the face of humanity right so we can all pray I really enjoyed Chris's reference to Corrie ten Boom and the quote that he said of hers which was is prayer your spare wheel as in for your car like you only get it out when you have an accident or something goes wrong Or is it your steering wheel? It determines everywhere you go. It's a good quote, hey? We're going to bring a bit more life to that. And I loved Claire and Lola's illustration last week, where where Claire had Lola doing a headstand. Um, And Claire's point was that the Lord's Prayer turns everything we know upside down, if we really get to grips with it. And I loved how she showed us that he is our Father. He's not my Father. He's our Father. This is a corporate thing. His God is our God. We are together in this. We are part of a family. Chris also pointed out that we can know that prayer is important, but we just can't ever seem to pray because it's too hard. This is why Claire's point that he is our Father is so important, because we can support each other in prayer. 
The disciples saw that prayer changed Jesus, so they asked him to teach them. When I joined this church nearly 20 years ago, it started to dawn on me the importance of prayer. So I spent time with people who could pray. And I've learnt to pray as a result of that. It's not rocket science, is it? Um, We can learn together. Our society is very individualistic. And obviously closing your door and praying on your own has a role and is in the Bible. But that's not the way we learn. Of course, praying alone definitely does have its place. I'm really not saying that it doesn't. It does, but we learn by spending time with other people who can pray. Okay, so we're just going to unpick that. You're not going to walk off and that's it, now you're an expert prayer. We're going to learn together to pray as a church. It's true with any skill, right? If you turned up on one of my building sites with no experience, I'm not going to have you plastering a ceiling or a wall. I'm not going to go, there you go, crack on. For a while, you're going to spend time with people, you're going to watch them do it, you're going to have a little go, and then eventually we'll get you doing it with them, and then eventually you'll be able to do it on your own. That's the way with learning any skill, is it takes a bit of time and a bit of practice. You don't just walk in and you're suddenly an expert. So we need to unpick that myth that I'm a Christian, I should be able to pray completely fluently without any worries straight away. I want today to show us how important it is. That's what made the difference for the disciples. They clocked what a difference it made to Jesus. And so they said, I want to. I want to learn then. Um, And then it will be up for us to do something about it. To get alongside other people. To learn. So there is going to be a response. It is going to be on us to do something about it. John Harris brilliantly plugged his Connect group um, when Chris was preaching two weeks ago. He made an open invite if you want to join his Connect group. Um, is John here? No? Yeah. Yes? Wave, John. John wants new members in his Connect group where they pray and you can learn to pray. That's a men's only group, just as a point. No, it's not. Oh. Okay. That's an open group. If you want to join that and learn to pray a bit with John and his group, then, uh, then speak to John afterwards. Uh, in, this, in this meeting here, uh, in this building here, Anne Mellis' group meet each week. I've been, in this, I've been in this building when they're in here. Man, there's a group of women there that can pray. Is there anyone here from Anne Mellis' group? Give a wave, give a wave. These are people that you can learn to pray from. These women can pray. Get alongside them and learn to pray. It will change your life. So, on to the Lord's Prayer. We've heard it before. Many of us can recite it. But have we really understood its rich depth? Not surprisingly, and when you think about it like this, it makes more sense. When God makes the sacrifice of becoming a man, and then telling us, this is the way I want you to communicate with me, it's going to be quite a big deal, right? This is the way for you to talk to me. The Lord's Prayer is a big deal. God is giving us a tool. He's come down from heaven and said, this is how you can talk to me. It's quite a key thing. It's going to be well worth looking at. There's a lot more depth you can get out of it than what you've got already. <clears throat> Years ago now, I read a great quote from Arsene Wenger, the then Arsenal manager. And I'm going to paraphrase. So 
But he said, when he was teaching, in, when he was coaching in Japan, he could say to a player, go and stand over there and stare at a tree. He'd come back three hours later and they'd still be staring at the same tree. When he coaches in the Premier League, he'd say to a player, right, these, this is the stuff I want you to do, and they'd want to know why, and how it would benefit them. What are we going to get out of this? Before they do it. So to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done, is an act of complete surrender. There can be nothing of me and my desires or my needs in this prayer. This is how Jesus prayed it, it's how he lived it, and it's what he taught us as well. Sadly, I find that our application is often more Premier League than Japanese League. We want to know how it's going to benefit us before we're prepared to do it. In truth, our tendency is to see a situation, decide on the best outcome, and then pray for that to happen. Isn't it? We we effectively have stock prayers for Alpha, for healing, for debt, for someone who's been bullied, for someone who's lost a job. It's not that we necessarily pray word for word the same thing in every situation, but we see suffering, we pray that it goes. We see hardship, we pray for relief. Now, clearly Jesus also did this, right? He healed people who were sick. So, so I'm not saying that doing that is wrong. We know that there's no more pain and no more suffering in heaven. And the Lord's Prayer is praying, let earth become more like heaven. So in praying for suffering to go, we're praying for a good thing. But I believe there's also something more that Jesus wants us to learn. Romans 5.3 teaches us that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Jesus himself teaches us in John 16.33, In this world you will have hardship, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. In praying your kingdom come, your will be done, We're not automatically praying an end to all of our struggles, all of our sufferings, or other people's. Though we know that this will eventually come, right? But that our good Father would work in the situation through his Holy Spirit in the way that he thinks best. That's what we're praying. The Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, said to live is Christ and to die is gain in Philippians 1.21. And in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. He lived a life of praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. And yet few Christians have lived through more suffering and hardship for their faith than he did. In 2 Corinthians 11.25-28, I'm going to read this. Paul says... Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and in hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and in thirst, 
often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from the other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. <laughs> Just reading it's hard work, right? Praying the Lord's Prayer is not a prayer for an easy life. Neither is it token words to be recited in hard times. It's a prayer of total surrender. A laying down of my life, my desires, my hopes for the kingdom of God. You clock that Jesus was homeless, right? As well. Just a little aside. Um, In terms of hardship. Let's look at Jesus a bit more. Our ultimate example. And how he both prayed and lived this prayer. This is Jesus. The night before he died, pleading with the Father that there could be another way. We can read that story in Matthew 26, 36 to 44. But the passage tells us it was like he was sweating drops of blood. He was in such desperation, pleading with the Father that there be some other way to achieve what he wanted. To pay the price for our sin. Jesus is facing the cross... And quite naturally, he's not very keen on it. It's an extreme understatement. But, no matter the personal cost, he's committed to seeing God's kingdom come. Ultimately, this prayer defines what it is to be a Christ follower. To be a Christian. At the end of this meeting, if you've never prayed a prayer of surrender of your life to Jesus... I'm going to give you an opportunity to do so. For those of us who have prayed it, when we look at it like this, we realise that we've got loads further to go, don't we, in surrendering our life to Jesus. That's not to say that we're not Christians, but it is really good to be reminded that we're on a journey of becoming more like him. I've got an amazing book here that I'd love to recommend to you. Um, if you, if you haven't gone on holiday, you're going to go on holiday. If you just want an easy book to read, this is a great book. Um, it's called A Voice in the Night. It's a very easy read. It's inspiring. It's a book by a guy who's, who's now a pastor called Surprise. <laughs> it's his life story, and ultimately it shows how he has learned to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, and where, that praying, where praying that took him. As a fifth, I'm going to give you a brief overview, but I won't spoil the whole story. There's loads in here. As a 15-year-old son of witch doctors in rural Mozambique, he heard a voice speak to him in the night and said, get up and leave now or you'll die. He left. Good choice. After weeks of wandering the jungle, he came to a clearing where there was a man waiting for him. This guy told him the gospel, and since then, surprise, has wandered Africa, telling the gospel and planting churches. He's been teleported when he was about to get a machete through his head. Uh, He's seen the dead raised, the sick healed. He's encountered angels. And people say being a Christian is boring. (laughs) I mean, I guess it is if you take Christ out of it, right? Because then you're just following Ian, and who wants to follow him? (laughs) Some of you are getting there, the dyslexics are catching up. (laughs) Christ, Ian, Christian, yeah, good. Uh, My my personal story um, wouldn't sell so many books, 
And I've not seen the miraculous, not yet, not in the way that he has. But I'd love to tell you a bit of my story of learning to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. And how it's changed my life. I came to this church as a Christian nearly 20 years ago. And I've grown up as a Christian here. I can't tell you how many hours I've spent walking around this building and around Southwark Park out the back praying. And it feels like a real privilege to share the most important and exciting part of my life with you. At 19, God called me back to him after a rebellious teenage period. And he said to me, put me first and never give up. This is, in other words, your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's you first, God, and then it's me. It's how I've strived to live ever since. I tell you, when Jesus calls you and you start an adventure with him, it is like nothing else. Praying the Lord's Prayer is a lifestyle. It's not a memory test. As Christians, we believe that God made us for a purpose. There is a reason that you and that I am alive today in this place, in this point in history, God has a plan for you and for me. But recognising that I often don't know what that is, or what's best for me, is why I must pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Let me illustrate that with, with an illustration that Stuart speaks to us about often in our, in one, in our group at work. If kids did what they wanted all the time, they'd just eat sweets, play computer games and wouldn't go to school, right? Fundamentally. Which would lead to fat adults with diabetes (laughs) (laughs) and no teeth and they couldn't read or write if they did exactly what they wanted all of the time. But we're like children, is the truth of it. We must learn to trust our father that he knows what's best for us and is at work for our good. We must learn to pray, not my will be done, but yours. Since I first prayed this prayer, your kingdom come and your will be done, I've had times when we've been given notice on our home and we've got nowhere else to go. I've had times when we've been in tears before God with no work, no way to pay rent, Staff to pay, been advised by everyone to lay off my staff and go and get another job. But I felt God saying, keep going. It's been painful at times. I've felt stupid and a failure as a man and as a husband. But let me tell you, there is ultimately nothing more rewarding than being where God wants you to be. I've been desperate and I've been broken and I've been elated and full of joy as I've learned to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay, Father, do it your way. I surrender my all to you. I tell you, praying that prayer and living that adventure is the greatest thing you could ever do. It won't be easy, but then what adventure is? It will be scary. But what adventure isn't? And man, the reward at the end. We sang about it this morning. 
Sharon, I loved the song choices this morning. It was so Holy Spirit inspired. What we were singing in terms of what we're talking about. Really helpful to set a tone. Thank you for seeking God on that. The greatest thing that I can live for is that my life points towards my Saviour, my Lord, my Maker. And that more people know Him and love Him deeper because of the fact that I'm alive today on planet Earth. Is there a greater reward than that? People are saved from death and given life because we learn to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. When I got married, marriage showed me how selfish I was. How much I wanted things the way I want them. I had to learn to compromise and consider someone else. I thought I'd got all that sorted and then we started having kids. (laughs) We've got five So each one, more and more of my time got demanded. I realised how selfish I was again and again and again. Ours are getting older now, as they do. And one of my latest challenges is not setting a literal time limit on when I'll love them. As in after 8.30pm, that's my evening. And God help them if they're still up. It's not exactly your kingdom come and your will be done, is it? (laughs) Although that is, of course, what I pray for them. I pray for them, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. But then the reality is I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done up till 8.30, as long as it doesn't compromise my evening. (laughs) The Lord's Prayer is such a wide-reaching prayer. It covers every single aspect of our lives. Husbands. Do we love our wives as Christ loves his church and gave his life up for them? I don't. (laughs) Not yet. Like, by God's grace, I'm getting better, but I'm really not there, right? Wives, you've got a similar challenge. And if you've got the highest calling of being single, are you honouring God with that? (laughs) We've got further to go, haven't we? (laughs) And what about with our money? Mark 12:41 to 44 describes how Jesus is sitting at the temple watching rich men make a big show of putting large amounts of money into the offering. And then a little old lady comes up with next to nothing. And Jesus highlights her and commends her for giving all that she's got. Am I prepared to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done with my finances? Or is that only after... I've made sure that my family have got enough for this week, this month, this year. Am I praying your kingdom come, your will be done? What about our thought lives? We're told to take every thought captive. There's somewhere between 300 and 500 verses in the Bible that tell us not to fear or worry. The scholars seem to vary on the quotes and I did not have time to count them all. So we'll go with that broad range. (laughs) To pray your kingdom come means applying that to our lives. Now I know that this is not easy and I'm not saying it is. God knows I'm a long way from where I want to be with any of this. But it's a prayer that I want to learn to pray. More and more. And a prayer that I want to apply to my life. That I might represent Jesus better. 
And what about with our time then? How often have we said, I'll do that when I get more time or when things change? Whether that's pray more or read the Bible or whether it's join the gym or eat healthy. But I just don't have time. We do. Sorry, we do. We do with our time what is important to us. We have enough time, but does each hour of my day reflect the prayer, your kingdom come? Please hear me right. Jesus could have prayed more. The point is not, you must pray more. The point is, are we using our time to wholly reflect the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done? Or are we just really busy with our own agendas? When you go to Tesco's, when you get on the bus, when you do the school run, when you walk to work, when you get on the tube, when you do whatever you do in a normal day, is there just the natural agenda of getting from A to B, of fulfilling a shopping list, of picking up the kids, of dropping up off the kids? Or are we praying this prayer all the time and looking for God's kingdom to advance in everything we do? My aim here is not to highlight all of our failings, mine are many, but to show us our need for and to equip us to pray the, one of the most powerful, life-changing prayers you can ever pray. Just to give a little bit of context for the next um, illustration, um, in our building firm, we, we meet up every morning here and we pray and read the Bible together. We've done it for a number of years. We've been working through the Bible in, in a year, uh, time and time again. And we pray and we look through that. And over the last few months, we've been challenging each other with just this very thing about our time. What are you doing today where you're expecting to see the Holy Spirit break out? Where is the opportunity for the Holy Spirit today? And since asking that question and looking at that, I've prayed for and encouraged a guy who came to repair a chip on the window of my van. I've encouraged a street sweeper. I've blessed a member of staff in Tesco's. I've prayed for and I've prophesied over Christian friends and family. As we've looked to, and as we've all looked together as a group of guys, we've seen that God is at work. We just weren't looking. We weren't ready. We were busy. So as we've gone, huh, here's my day, what am I going to do today? Where, are you going to, where am I going to make sure that I pray this prayer? And we've just picked one item in a day, and we've prayed it. And it's like, oh, God is at work. There are opportunities just to bring light and life to the world around me. I've not seen the dead raised. I've never not seen anything dramatic or miraculous, but I've brought the kingdom of God into situations because I've said, God, I want to. And God's kingdom is continually advancing, right? We know the Bible teaches that. So then the question is, do you want to be a part of that? Because his kingdom is not going to stop and wait. His kingdom is continually advancing. Do you want to be there at the front while it's advancing around you? Because he's put you here at this time in history, at this point in time, for a purpose. God is going to advance his kingdom. He's calling you to be part of it, to learn to pray Your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm going to finish shortly, and then we're going to have two separate pauses for you to hear from God for yourself, as well as an opportunity to surrender your life to him for the first time, if you want to do that.
The first pause is going to be an opportunity for us to dream again. What would it actually look like if God's kingdom advanced? Sometimes we get so busy with life that we, we can pray that prayer and think, I don't even really know what I'm praying. What would it look like if God's kingdom advanced in your family, at your work, in your community, in your block of flats? What would it look like? We're going to pause and we're going to ask God and then you'll be able to write that down or draw that. Whatever suits you. And the second one is going to be an opportunity for us to say, okay God, I want your kingdom to advance in my life. It's going to be a personal. What areas of my life do I need to surrender? I've heard Pete talk about time, about money, about marriage, about anything that we've mentioned or other stuff that the Holy Spirit highlights on you. What is the area where God is calling you to surrender that bit more so that you can reflect Jesus that bit better. But first of all, I want to pull out a few inspiring examples. Not of perfect people who've got it all sorted, but of people who are on this journey and who inspire me. Adam and Courtney Webster. When I first got to know them well, they were downsizing their house to move to Bermondsey to be part of the local church while their family was growing. Now they're packing up, moving to another country, to another culture where they don't know the language to build the local church. Lord God, let your kingdom come in their lives. As they surrender and follow you, let your kingdom come in their lives. Jake and Zara Brown. These guys, I'll constantly see them giving so generously of their time and of their money, despite not having much of either, and being cramped with four kids in a two-bed flat. Lord God, let your kingdom come in their lives. Let your kingdom come on their home and their finances. Dave Mellis and Alan Chadbourne. These guys selflessly serve on city kids and dads and kids camps for so many years. And this is equally true of all of our kids workers who serve week after week. Lord God, let your kingdom come into the lives of our kids workers and the kids that they serve so diligently. Charlie Howard, Tan and Pook. These guys, I see you serving your kids so selflessly with love and compassion. You're inspiring. Lord God, let your kingdom come on these families. Let it overflow from them to others around them. Bev. Bev has inspired me by complete love and surrender to Jesus. And seeing what he's done in her, I know I'm saying her because I know she's not here today. Seeing what he's done in her and how hungrily she's embraced it gives me hope for the world around me. Lord God, let your kingdom come on Bev and let her influence increase in wider and wider circles. Deji and Pete and Stace, you guys inspire me by praying this prayer daily despite hardships. Thank you for showing that it can be done. Lord, let your kingdom come in their lives. John and Sue Wood, Hilda and Minette, Thank you for being as passionate about Jesus now as ever. What an inspiring example of dedication to seeing God's kingdom come. Thank you for including and encouraging so many of us on the journey. Lord, let your kingdom come in their lives. 
Look, I could go on and on around this room about people that have inspired me. I really could, but I am going to stop. <laughs> I love being in this church where I have been challenged and encouraged to, to learn to love Jesus more. This is a great place to learn to love Jesus. It really is. There are so many inspiring people. And the truth is, I don't even know lots of you. But if I did, there'd be bits from your lives that would inspire me too. The more we get to know each other, the more we'll be inspired by those around us to love Jesus a bit more. Keep living the adventure that is Christ. Keep building this body. We need each other. Thank you all for hearing and responding to the call of God on your lives. Now together, I just want us to go deeper. I want us to take some time to dream again. So if you pick up your, your little card, hopefully it's roughly wallet size so you can keep it with you to remind you. If you pick that up again, on one side only, we're going to ask God what it would look like if his kingdom came. What are your dreams? Write, and write draw, whatever you want to do. What God puts on your heart now. Lord God, I pray that you would come and that you would lift our eyes. Pray that you would inspire us for your kingdom. What are the dreams, what's the reason that you've put us on this earth, Lord? Come and lift our eyes to see you and to see how you have chosen to use us to advance your kingdom around us. This is obviously a a prayer that you can pick up if, if you're finding it helpful and you feel like God's really starting you on a process then pick this prayer up. Talk to him. He's got a plan for your life. So pick this up later on in the week. Pick it up with your connect group. So now we're going to flip the card over and we're going to ask the personal question. God, which areas of my life are you calling me to surrender more to you? I want to reflect your kingdom better. I want to show more surrender to you. So we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us now and highlight those areas that are true for us. Okay, and I've said a couple of times that if you haven't ever responded to Jesus yet in your life, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do so today, right now. If you felt that Jesus has been speaking to you and you want to follow him and you want to take this point right now to respond to him, I want you to just wave at me now and we'll speak together at the end. This is an opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus, to follow what the rest of the room has done already in surrendering to him. Okay, if you're not at the point where you want to make that decision just yet, but you know that your heart is stirred and you want to know more, Rebecca, Rebecca mentioned in the notices that we've got an Alpha course running in October. Alpha is where you can come and you can ask all your questions. You can get to know who this Jesus is. Um, and so I would encourage you to look at that, to clock the dates and to sign up for that. Um, but... And are you looking at me like you want to say something? Do you want to say something before I conclude or after I conclude? 
Okay. Okay. I would like I would like to conclude by just getting us to pray for the for God's kingdom to come. So hopefully you've heard God speak to you. Now whether it's the the bit that stood out for you is the big picture stuff I want to dream again, or whether it's the personal stuff. So I want to pray your kingdom come, your will be done. So I want to just encourage us to stand. And just together, we're not going to pray through the whole Lord's Prayer. We've talked about how, how, it's our, how, how this gives us a framework to encounter God. So now we are going to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to pray that individually. So the bit that God has put on your heart to pray, I want you to pray. And I'm going to pray too. We're all just going to pray out our prayer. Lord, let your kingdom come. I want to surrender more of me. I want to see your kingdom come. Okay, we're just going to pray. Let's just go for it. I won't pray too loud because I'm on the mic, um, but I am going to pick it up in a minute. Let's really call on God.